Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, normally joined by our uh, fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. She is uh, under the weather. She's been battling meningitis for crying out loud. So um, prayers and uh, good wishes to Taylor Estes for a quick recovery and uh, Taylor and I announced that we were going to be wearing gray uh, for this podcast uh, because it is, um, well, it's Brain Tumor Awareness Month, and uh, we are supporting Avery Huffman, the daughter of national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman, um, whose daughter, Avery, fought a seven-and-a-half-month battle with uh, the deadly DIPG uh, brain tumor. And um, so we are in full support of Avery Strong. And if you would like to help, um, you can certainly make a donation at AveryStrongDIPG.org. Avery Strong, um, great... uh, Incredible family, the Huffman family, and and Avery, um, a bright light in that family. Um, okay, kids. So it's been a minute since we have met here on the flagship podcast. I think I have set off Aggie Nation uh, by mentioning in last week's Insider that I was hearing that um, the SEC, when Texas and OU join, I'm still hearing. 2024, uh, which would be the first year that ESPN has the rights to SEC football. Um, I'm hearing 2024 for Texas and Oklahoma to be a part of the SEC football season. Um, And I'm hearing also that the SEC would break into four four team pods. And you would have uh, games against each of the three teams in your pod, as well as uh, two games against uh, teams from three of the other pods. That way, uh, you're, you're hosting each team at least once every four years, um, and that would solve a scheduling quirk in the SEC right now uh, that had Georgia and Alabama meeting only twice in the last 13 years. So, you know, getting to a 16-team league, if you break up into the four four-team pods, you actually can put some um, regularity into the scheduling so that, like I said, you're at least hosting every other team in the SEC at least once uh, in a four-year period and you're you're facing them twice, uh, you know, either home or away in that uh, four-year period. But I'm also hearing that Texas A&M does not want to be in the same pod with Texas, which could make things tricky for those teams to meet on an annual basis. Now, when I reported this, the uh, the Aggie insiders came, you know, flying at me and and said that A uh, and uh, definitely wants to play Texas every year. Okay, well then, 
Let's see how that works if they're not in the same pod, or maybe they will end up in the same pod. But what I was hearing um, was a proposal that had Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri in a pod, and Texas A&M and LSU uh, with Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and um, then Auburn and Alabama in a pod with Tennessee and Vanderbilt while Georgia and Florida would be in a pod with uh, Kentucky and South Carolina. So uh, obviously there's uh, time before this has to get figured out, but you got to think that these proposals are being uh, hashed over as we speak, as the SEC prepares uh, to become a 16-team Super League. And obviously that maneuver almost a year ago now, uh, triggered all kinds of reaction across the college athletics landscape, including uh, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC forming sort of a a voting block on issues having to deal with the Power Five, namely the expansion of the college football playoff. After we had a working group that included – SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby come forward with a proposed 12-team college football playoff. There was excitement that maybe uh, it could get done before 2025. Well, after uh, the announcement that Texas and Oklahoma would be joining the SEC, uh, probably... uh, Well, they announced effective uh, the summer of 2025, uh, there was this sort of whoa uh, moment because uh, obviously Bob Bullsby felt like after working on a a group that uh, came up with the 12-team college football playoff that included Greg Sankey, and um, Greg Sankey was working on that group knowing that his conference was uh, possibly going to add Texas and Oklahoma uh, to the SEC. Uh, obviously, a, an expanded 12-team college football playoff would would uh, probably favor the SEC at that point in terms of uh, just having so many top-heavy brands. Certainly, Texas has not carried its weight in the Big 12 the way Oklahoma has in terms of qualifying for the college football playoff. Oklahoma's been somewhat of a regular, uh, while Texas has yet to uh, qualify for a college football playoff and probably needs at least until 2024 uh, to get its own house in order. And certainly Steve Sarkeesian and the way that uh, he's handled this offseason following a five and seven year that included the longest losing streak in uh, Texas football history since 1956, the year before Daryl Royal took over the Longhorns um, and uh, five and seven finish. Uh, the offseason for the Longhorns has been uh, phenomenal. And uh, you you include the, the top five recruiting class and uh, obviously the hiring of Gary Patterson, uh, the transfer of Isaiah Nair from Wyoming, the talented receiver who had 12 touchdown catches last year. Also, um, Ajayi Hall, uh, one of the, the top 
receivers in the 2021 recruiting class, although um, a bit of a uh, traveler at this point, what, three high schools uh, in his senior season, and then um, Alabama and for one season and now Texas. But he was recruited uh, to Alabama by Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian. They were part of the team that helped recruit Ajayi Hall. So there's a familiarity there. And uh, I agree with my man, Josh Pate, uh, our uh, incredible 24 uh, 7 sports college football pundit, in saying that Steve Sarkeesian would not bring in a player he didn't feel like uh, would fit into the culture that, that Steve Sarkeesian's trying to build. And and it's a rebuild. I mean, it's a complete rebuild. We've written extensively at horns247.com in the insider about the fact that the Texas roster uh, has been turned over 40% uh, from last year with the 28 uh, signings in the 2022 class in addition to five transfers. And oh, by the way, as of this moment, Texas is still uh, under consideration by 2021 Bolitnikoff Award winner, uh, Pitt receiver Jordan Addison, who made uh, a visit to Texas before uh, going on to check out USC. And I think Texas is the underdog in this race for sure. Um, you know, Brennan Marion, the the new Texas receivers coach, who's also part of that uh, banner offseason for Steve Sarkeesian, the hiring of, of Brennan Marion uh, from Pitt as Texas's new receivers coach, in addition to Tashard Choice from Georgia Tech as Texas's new running backs coach, two high energy assistant coaches with bright futures um, who've certainly helped in the uh, the recruiting success that Texas is having in this this offseason. Brennan Marion's relationship with Jordan Addison, a big part of the reason that Jordan Addison uh, is considering Texas. So some interesting photos from Jordan Addison's recruiting visit to Texas, the one that went viral, him praying apparently uh, with um, – you know, Jordan Whittington uh, with a with a boom box uh, over over his shoulder uh, that said hook him horns and Quinn Ewers uh, uh, also uh, who wears number three, by the way, Jordan Addison um, was wearing a number three jersey in that uh, in that recruiting photo. But, you know, interesting times. It does appear that the Texas players have come together. And I'm going to get to this point that I think Star Steve Sarkeesian made on this uh, um, this Texas fight tour that is happening across the state. It opened in San Antonio on May 9th. Then it went to Dallas and Fort Worth. It uh, concludes in Houston this week, Wednesday, May 18th. And Steve Sarkeesian said that if you're going to look at your program, you have to look at it from A to Z. And he said, where I failed 
the program was not doing a better job of connecting with my team at this time a year ago. This time a year ago, Texas was sort of scattered all over the north end uh, with the coaches' offices up on the on the seventh floor. You had uh, player position meeting groups happening on the eighth floor in in the suites of the um, Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Football Stadium. And of course, the football team was bunkering out of the visitor's locker room, that that visitor's locker room that Ed Orgeron complained didn't have good enough air conditioning a couple of years ago um, because the south end of DKR was being renovated. Uh, of course, that renovation was finished in August. The football team all moved into their new facilities then. But Steve Sarkeesian saying that he didn't do a good enough job of making sure that he was connected to his team and that players were connected to each other uh, during this time a year ago. And let's face it, uh, every player on a successful football team says that you build your bond as a team uh, right now during the offseason, during winter conditioning, during spring football, during summer workouts, during fall camp. And and this was a team uh, last year in Texas who got off to a four and one start, obviously got ambushed by Arkansas, um, but you know started to put it together, went to TCU and won against a team that uh, it had struggled with mightily over the last, well, since TCU entered the the Big 12, and I'm sure Texas fans, the biggest sigh of relief, um, you know, in, in being able to bring on Gary Patterson, the former head coach at TCU as a special assistant, is that they don't have to face Gary Patterson anymore because Gary Patterson seemed to have a special uh, burr under his saddle for Texas, that his team was more prepared for that game than than maybe the week after or the week before on TCU's schedule. And, and that's a big part of the reason that TCU uh, has had so much success against Texas. Anyway, Texas beat TCU, housed Texas Tech, which went on uh, to reach a bowl game and, and had double-digit leads on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, the three best teams in the Big 12 last year. And, um, and then you know, let those leads slip away and it got into the, the team psyche. You had players uh, looking like they were giving questionable effort at times in late in those losses as they were uh, falling apart. And I think in talking to team sources, the coaches believe that some of the uh, more, uh-oh, here we go again, mindsets may have walked out the door and entered the transfer portal and and that Texas coaches feel like they've done a good job of holding on to the players they feel are bought in and are looking to turn this thing around, turn Texas football around. And, and when you look at the transfer portal, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, Terrence Cooks, who transferred out of the program a year ago is definitely a player that I think Texas wanted to hang on to. Um, and I think they wanted to hang on to Marcus Washington, although Marcus Washington, the receiver uh, who has been a good special teams player and a good blocker has been wildly inconsistent when it comes to catching the football. And, and so, you know, you had an exodus of players 
uh, entering the transfer portal after meeting with Steve Sarkeesian uh, for their one-on-one meetings following spring football and Steve Sarkeesian being very honest with those players about where he sees them fitting into the program. After those players got that news, you saw a a parade of um, seven players uh, into the transfer portal, including um, three receivers. Uh, Calvante Dixon, a guy I liked, but um, just couldn't seem to grasp all the concepts of of the offense in in a way that Steve Sarkeesian wanted. Uh, Obviously, Marcus Washington and Dejon Harrison as well. So you look at that and you say, uh oh, but um, Texas has a clear top three at receiver. When you you look at Xavier Worthy, who had 12 touchdown catches last year, broke all the, the freshman records at Texas. Jordan Whittington, the team's best third down receiver a year ago and the best over the middle tough catch guy uh, because he's built like a running back, played running back at Cuero High School and is just a tough-minded football player. Uh, and then, obviously, Isaiah Nayer, who came from Wyoming, led the Mountain West with 12 touchdown catches a year ago, six foot three, long, big catch radius. And then you bring in a Jai Hall, who's also six foot three, long, uh, great speed, and huge catch radius. And then you've got Troy O'Meary, who's coming off of two straight uh, seasons of knee injuries, who's also six foot three and long and huge catch radius. So you need some of those young receivers to come on to provide the depth that Steve Sarkeesian needs. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian said at that uh, Texas fight tour stop May 9th in San Antonio that he was looking to bring in a transfer receiver. And then the next day, uh, the word got out that Jordan Addison, the 2021 Blitnikoff Award winner at Pitt, was headed to Texas for an official visit and And so we'll see. Uh, Texas also um, looking at trying to bring in a linebacker in the portal. So Steve Sarkeesian has said we'll have 19 um, kids coming in on May 31st, possibly 21. And I think uh, the possibly 21 would include – the possibility of Jordan Addison, as well as the possibility of a linebacker arriving in the portal. Um, so I want to hit on a few little highlights from these Texas fight tour stops that the coaches are making. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian is, has been at every one of them. And um, the first stop in San Antonio included Vic Schaefer, the women's basketball coach, who's just so so filled with passion and, and uh, is just such a hoot to listen to two straight elite eights in his first two years at Texas and getting the crowd all fired up by saying that he was legit ticked off that they didn't beat Stanford in the elite eight. Cause he said, our team was good enough to be in the final four this year. We weren't good enough to be in the final four last year. Um, but, uh, and Jared Elliott, who is the, Mike Shashevsky of college volleyball just seems to 
you know, rack up final four appearances in, in college volleyball with one national championship. Uh, we'll have another loaded team again this year with two-time uh, Big 12 Player of the Year, Logan Eggleston, uh, leading that uh, pack of All-Americans, as well as uh, some incredible transfers, um, including Madison Skinner, who played for Kentucky when Kentucky beat Texas for the national championship a couple years ago. So um, that's been great. The Texas fans appreciate that stuff. But I, I think it's interesting. You you get some interesting questions uh, from the crowd. And, and so it was a lively crowd in Dallas last week. And, um, you know, right off the bat, uh, Chris Del Conte was asked what's going to happen to the Longhorn Network and the Longhorn Network um, is going to disappear when Texas goes to the SEC. There's not going to be uh, an SEC West channel um, that the Longhorn Network will morph into. Basically, um, Chris Del Conte, who jokingly called LHN the History Channel, the History Channel. He said, "There's only so many times you can uh, watch that documentary about the 1969 season," and he got some laughter on that. But he he said, "This is a quote, basically confirming what I've been saying since that uh, 20 year, 300 million dollar deal was announced in 2011 that um, ESPN purposely overpaid uh, for that." LHN network with Texas to keep Texas anchored in the big 12 by giving them an unprecedented uh, 20 year, $300 million deal. Uh, it was too good to, for Texas to ever walk away from it. And so it kept them in the big 12 right up until ESPN got the rights to sec football beginning in 2024. Huh? Imagine that. And Texas is going to have to pay roughly $80 million to leave the Big 12. And it has nothing to do with the media rights in the Big 12 expiring in 2025. Texas signed a grant of rights, a 99-year grant of rights um, with the Big 12 that stipulates if you are going to leave, you have to forfeit your final two years of revenue distribution in the league. And that is estimated at roughly 40 million per year um, and, a, and a total of 80 million. So um, no one will admit this publicly, but uh, the money that ESPN still owes Texas for LHN uh, will be uh, $150.5 million at the end of the 23-24 school year. Uh, that's almost enough to cover both Texas and Oklahoma, uh, their exit fees from the Big 12, if necessary, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, so a couple other nuggets from the, from the Texas fight tour that I thought uh, were interesting. You know, everyone always wants to know who's the fastest player on the, on the football team. Who's the fastest player on the football team. And so, uh, Steve Sarkisian was asked this and he said, um, I think we'd have a hell of a race between Xavier worthy, Keelan Robinson, 
and Keaton Crawford. He said, uh, adding that um, they were also bringing in Brennan Thompson, who ended up running like a 10-2 in the 100 at the state track meet last weekend. So Sarkeesian said, we could put together a pretty good four-by team for flow. Texas track coach Edric Florial with those four players, Xavier Worthy, Keelan Robinson, Keaton Crawford, and Brennan Thompson, the incoming freshman receiver from Spearman. Um, I thought this was funny from Chris Beard. He was asked, who is the best shooter on the Longhorns basketball team? And Beard kind of paused for a second and said, that's an issue right now. And that drew laughs. Uh, he said, we will have some guys who can shoot the basketball. And um, he said, that's one of the things they're really working on uh, to improve. But he said that the recruit the recruiting class uh, coming in uh, this fall, which includes Arterio Morris and Rowan Brumbaugh, he said those two can shoot the basketball. And he said that Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen will both shoot threes for Texas this upcoming season. And that led uh, to a question about Marcus Carr. And um, Beard uh, suggested that because Texas had to ask Marcus Carr to do so much last year, running the point, be a distributor, score the basketball, play defense, that with some more help around Marcus Carr, uh, they might get the best version of Marcus Carr. And uh, I'll tell you, from the sources I spoke to, I think uh, the coaching staff was surprised that Marcus Carr uh, decided to come back for another year. Uh, that um, that Marcus Carr had never been coached as hard as he had been by Chris Beard and this staff. And... Um, but I think the connection that he formed with Timmy Allen, and I think Timmy Allen, the way that uh, Timmy Allen um, finished the year was not the way he wanted to finish it. He probably had his worst game in the NCAA tournament against Purdue, uh, where he had more fouls, five than points and rebounds combined. And, and so, you know, they're, still of the belief that they can compete for a championship under Chris Beard with Christian Bishop coming back. Um, you've got, um, you know, uh, Brock Cunningham coming back. Dylan DeZue, the six, nine forward is in the NBA draft without an agent. But, um, I think there's a really strong possibility that he will return. And, and so, when you, you know, factor in those players returning in addition uh, to uh, Arterio Morris, Rowan Brumbaugh, uh, and then the uh, Jabari Rice, the transfer from New Mexico State, who played with Timmy Allen's brother, Teddy Allen, at New Mexico State, and they were an NCAA tournament team last year. They uh, feel like they have a team that can, can reload. And so, um, interesting that, uh, Chris Beard said 
who's our best shooter? That would be an issue right now. Um, and then a couple other nuggets from the from the Texas fight tour that I, I thought uh, were interesting. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was asked, are you going to have to sort of scale back your offense if you end up with one or more true freshmen starting on the offensive line? And Steve Sarkeesian basically said, yeah, it's a possibility. He said, we'd love to have every scheme we can run under the sun because I'm a true believer in the more things we do really well, the harder we are to defend. But I can't do that uh, in sacrificing a player knowing what to do or how to do it really well. So maybe we don't have all of our schemes if that means getting our best players on the field to go out and perform. Um, and, and I think that's honestly a positive sign because I felt like last year uh, in the quest to to be able to do so many different things the offensive line at times uh just seemed overburdened and made uh, you know pre-snap penalties that really hurt texas especially in the second half of those games against ou oklahoma state uh, baylor and uh, that stuff just has to get cleaned up and and you've got junior angelau jake majors as returning starters on that offensive line also christian jones we'll see if christian jones can hang on to that right tackle spot and we'll we'll see where hayden connor factors into this as well as early enrollee freshman cole hudson who had uh, an impressive spring but impressive spring is one thing uh, going up against um, alabama in week two is another thing and and that's why I would also suggest uh, making sure that if you missed our flagship podcast interviews with Fozzie Whitaker and Michael Griffin the last two weeks, that you you check those out because I think it's a sobering conversation going position by position, looking at what Texas has coming back in terms of experience and in terms of production. And experience doesn't always equal production and unfortunately experience definitely does not equal production on the texas defense and michael griffin does a really good job i think of laying that out and and you can hear the disappointment uh, in his voice almost as he talks about the fact that texas has had to move guys from other positions to the safety position last year when um, Brendan Schooler was moved from receiver to safety and immediately became a starter. Michael Griffin thought that was preposterous. How could that happen? Um, you know, he recalled his time at Texas, which included that 2005 national championship season and how he had to, you know, wait his turn. Um, and, and then, you know, you had guys like Aaron Ross and Terrell Brown who, were rotating and and Terrell Brown wasn't even a regular starter uh, but went on to a 10-year career in the NFL. I mean the talent was back uh, backlogged or backloaded or just backed up on a runway back then and now Texas is scrambling to try to find players who can start at field safety and boundary safety for the 
the 2022 season. And while uh, Steve Sarkeesian put a good spin on it, he said, look, we got guys now with Keaton Crawford, who he mentioned is one of the fastest guys on the team, Anthony Cook. Uh, of course, you've got Jaron Thompson still in that safety room, but you, you've also moved Jade Barron from corner to nickel corner as well as Mo Blackwell from linebacker to safety. Mo Blackwell, a guy I'm really intrigued by and think has an incredibly bright future. And maybe this all pays off in a big way. Uh, but, you know, Steve Sarkeesian saying that he feels like one of the benefits of these moves is that he'll have more players who can play man-to-man -man defense, even if they've got to come up, you know, into the slot uh, as a safety and play some press coverage because this is the defensive philosophical shift that has happened in this offseason that Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned in these Texas fight tour stops that they are hell-bent right now to be able to play more man coverage, be able to play physical at the line of scrimmage so that they can bring an extra player into the box to help stop the run. As we know, Texas was a failure uh, at stopping the run last year, gave up more than 200 yards rushing per game, more than five, uh, what, 5.2 yards per carry. And just, you know, everyone's like, oh, there was no pass rush. There's no pass rush. Texas had no pass rush. Well, no one was passing. They were all running the ball. Uh, because they didn't need to pass. That that was the unfortunate thing about Oklahoma State coming back. Um, Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, the first time, you know, getting on the field for the first time as a true freshman, being able to run all over the place, including that 66-yard uh, touchdown run on fourth and one that sort of flipped the momentum of the entire uh, Red River shootout from Texas being up 28 to seven to ultimately losing that game. Spencer Sanders didn't have to make big throws for Oklahoma state because Oklahoma state was able to run it late against Texas. And same thing, Baylor, you know, Jerry Bohannon uh, turned the ball over, but Baylor was able to run the ball late and hang on for that 31, 24 win. That was a game Texas absolutely should have won, but um, the weird fake punt snafu on fourth and 11 uh, did Sarkeesian you know, indicate to Cameron Dicker that he could uh, go for it, or really leave that call up to Dicker or, you know, that that's just, you can't do that. You can't leave that call up to a player. You got to tell the player, hey, we're punting the ball here um, because Texas was in a one possession game, didn't need to take that big of a gamble. But nonetheless, Texas has got to stop the run this year or it, it doesn't matter what the pass rush is doing, but, um, Texas, the philosophical shift on defense. And when Steve Sarkeesian has been talking about that defensive, uh, philosophy change, he has mentioned Gary Patterson. So, uh, Gary Patterson, of course, special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian and, and Sark saying that that was a great pickup. So, um, there we have it kids. Uh, for this week's flagship podcast. And uh, again, wearing gray today uh, in support of Avery Huffman, her, her, uh, her battle uh, with 
the DIPG brain tumor. It's brain tumor awareness month. And if you'd love to help our man, uh, our, our man, Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting analyst for 24 seven sports. It was his daughter, Avery, who, um, you know, fought valiantly for seven and a half months, uh, against that deadly DIPG, uh, brain tumor. Uh, you can make a donation at AveryStrongDIPG.org. And uh, to our colleague at Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes, uh, battling meningitis, God bless her, and let's, uh, let's get her back with a safe uh, and healthy recovery. And, and we'll be back on the flagship podcast, baby. It is the off season, but football season never ends here on the flagship. So until next time, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Chip Brown. We'll see you, see you over at horns247.com. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.